Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen at snc.tv and local now channel 525. It's Lifeline with Craig Roberts. He's the host of Northern California's longest-running conservative talk show. He's a man with a message, a conservative with compassion. He's Lifeline's own Craig Roberts. Good afternoon, Northern California. Welcome. Welcome to the Tuesday edition of Lifeline for September the 5th. And you're wondering, Tuesday, well, did we skip a day? We certainly did, and we trust that you had an enjoyable Labor Day weekend. And wherever you went, whatever you did with family, that you had a good rest. And now we're kind of back into the swing of things again. Summer kind of officially behind us and heading into the fall months. And, of course, as we head into the fall season, September, October, October, we think about all the bounty that we are grateful for and the many gifts that God gives us to uh, sustain us throughout the year. Uh, I don't want to rush you into Thanksgiving too soon, right? But that sense of attitude of gratitude is something really that ought to attend to us all the time and showing love and appreciation for not only all the blessings that the Lord has given us, but all the people in our lives that bless us. And as we lead off the program today, one group of unsung heroes that we believe is really deserving Deserving of special recognition and a tremendous show of appreciation, and that is our pastors. And of course, Bay Area pastors struggle against some of the biggest challenges of perhaps pastors anywhere else in the United States, if not in the entire planet. Joining me today in studio is the general manager of KFAX Radio, Sagar Cannon, with a few words about the ways in which we show appreciation for our pastors, and particularly so, Sagar, during this time of year, to thank our pastors and show some appreciation. KFAX, for many many years has held an annual pastor's appreciation event we've just taken a bit of a hiatus here uh, largely due to covid so no events since 2019 but we're ready to get back in the saddle again and invite all of our pastors to a wonderful event tell me first off why is an event like this and showing appreciation to pastors so important well craig uh, i mean the pastors are in the front line You know, they are day in and day out, out there in the trenches, trying to make a difference in the life of people, making an impact to the community. And most of the time, they uh, are left alone by themselves. So it's unfortunate that we can only do this kind of an event once a year. Uh, We wish we can do it every week. But uh, because of the logistics of it, and uh, we at least try our very best to do it once a year to appreciate and uh, also to thank uh, the pastors uh, who are out there day in, day out, um, whether it's visiting in the hospital, visiting at a home, someone who is sick, uh, had a tragedy, or whether it is a celebration or performing a wedding, or whether it's a baby, 
whatever it may be, and day in and day out, week after week, these pastors bring in nourishment for the soul of the people who come and create an environment for them to be lifted up in their spirit, in worship and in fellowship. So we want to take this time and truly want to thank them uh, for what they do day in and day out in their life. And uh, we, are, we are going to have a great, great lunch. Uh, we have a barbecue lunch set up for them by our great culinary chefs from the Bay Area Rescue Mission. And also we have a great speaker, Alan Jackson Ministries, who reaches 3 million people per week through their global online, who is really, really good. I really have personally have heard um, Pastor Jackson a couple of times in my life, and I really like him. He stays the course. He stays true to the word, and he doesn't veer to the left or to the right, and he brings in challenging messages, uplifting and encouraging that is very relevant. I think that's important for pastors, too, that are laboring here in the mission field, as you say, pastors in the trenches that not only deal with the day-to-day challenges of ministry to a congregation, addressing their needs, be it, as you say, uh, uh, sickness in the family, hospital visitations, just preparing for Sunday sermons and providing spiritual nourishment to the congregation week in and week out. And I think one of the unique things that Pastor Alan Jackson brings to the table is he knows what it's like to be the pastor of a small, struggling church. And he started his ministry back in uh, Tennessee, back in the, the late 1980s. He began with just 30 people. Today, the congregation has over 15,000 members. It's one of the fastest growing churches in America today. And so he's going to have an opportunity to bring an encouraging word to all the pastors that will be in attendance at this annual Pastors Appreciation Lunch. And again, been in a bit of a hiatus here since COVID, but we're eager to get back in the saddle again. The date will be Tuesday, September the 12th. Doors open at 10 a.m. Lunch begins promptly at noon. We'll promise to get all the pastors in in and out no later than 2 p.m. There's no cost or obligation. And I want to encourage every pastor or a pastoral staff member listening right now, if you've been to one of these events in the past, you know what a blessing they can be. If you've never been, then why don't you join us? There's still time to register by going to kfax.com and click on the Pastor Appreciation Luncheon banner. In just a couple of minutes, you can register easily online. Again, there's absolutely no cost or obligation, but space is filling up quickly. We have a limitation in terms of the number of pastors that we can um, provide seats to during this special once-a-year event. So uh, time is of the essence, as they say, and I urge you to go to kfax.com and register today. Again, at kfax.com and click on the Pastor Appreciation Luncheon banner to reserve your seats. And this is for everyone that involved in pastoral ministry, be it a senior pastor, Pastor, assistant pastor, youth minister, uh, maybe you're in charge of the married couples ministry at your church, and you'd like to take an afternoon to meet with other pastors, encourage each other, enjoy fellowship, share not only best practices, but just be a blessing to one another, enjoy a wonderful lunch, lots of goodies and prizes will be given away, and of course, an encouraging word brought by Pastor Alan Jackson, who is the senior pastor of World Outreach Church in Nashville. 
Sagar, I'm curious. Uh, you have kind of a, a stake in all of this in that you have not only a heartbeat for ministry, but you've been involved in full-time ministry. For pastors that feel like they're laboring in the mission field alone, and they sometimes get discouraged, and there's an obligation that they can't escape. It's a big demand, not only on their time, um, on many of their gifts, but even a big stress on their own family because they're constantly in that giving and caring mode. Why is an event like this so important? Because um, from my personal experience and and my personal um, opinion, uh, Craig, that um, it is very, very vital uh, for someone in the ministry to go in, get rejuvenated and restored and re-energized. Uh, a gathering like this, you are with hundreds of like-minded pastors who are there. And also there's music, very uplifting music by um, Sounds of Heaven. Um, that band is from Well Christian Community is going to perform. Uh, it's going to minister to their spirit. But the main thing is the message is well-crafted message. I know Pastor Alan Jackson. I will assure you, you will not leave that place without being encouraged, uplifted, and ready to go again and, and, and do the ministry, even though you have come in with a low energy or discouraged or disappointed. That will turn your mindset around. We, in the years since KFAX began hosting these events, and in fact, the first Pastors Appreciation event in the country began right here in San Francisco as part of the ministry of KFAX. We have seen dozens of cases down through the decades of pastors that came in and said, okay, I'm going to go, but this is the last time. Maybe a friend, another pastor in the community has invited them to come along, but they're going with a sense of hesitation. Why? Because they're weary, they're tired. Maybe they've even made up their mind that they just can't take it anymore and they're about ready to resign their position as pastor. And then they come to a gathering like this and they get prayed for, they get energized, they get encouraged, they get blessed. And suddenly they walk away with a renewed sense of purpose and meaning. They are reminded that they're not alone in those trenches, as you referred to them earlier. And all of a sudden there's a spring in their step and they're ready to go out there and take on the world and continue their ministry. So there is tremendous value in a gathering like this. And we just want to extend an invitation to every pastor listening right now. Maybe your pastor pastor doesn't know anything about this, but you've heard about the pastor's appreciation luncheon. Why did you pick up the phone and call pastor and say, pastor, have you signed up yet to go to the KFAX pastor's appreciation luncheon? If they say no, urge them to go online and register today. Again, the date is Tuesday, September 12th. Doors open at 10 a.m. There'll be a number of um, help ministries there that'll provide resources and materials that you'll find out how those resources can be put to use to help encourage and further your own ministry and then of course luncheon promptly at 12 noon provided by our friends at the bay area rescue mission followed by that message of encouragement by alan jackson senior pastor of world outreach church of nashville it'll be hosted by our friends at faith fellowship church located at 577 manor boulevard in san leandro and again to make your reservations for the annual kfax pastors appreciation luncheon just go to our website at kfax.com. That's kfax.com. Register today. Seating is limited. Seats are filling up fast. This is on a first-come, first-served basis. Again, no cost.
cost or obligation whatsoever. But pastors, if you wish to attend, it is important that you register or have your secretary call or go online and register today. Again, at kfax.com or by calling 510-713-1100. Yes, I would encourage every pastor, every support pastors, every staff that works to attend if you can, because this will be a very, very encouraging and fun time. And it's an event you won't want to miss. The annual Pastors Appreciation Luncheon, Tuesday, September 12th, 10 a.m. with the doors opening. Lunch promptly at noon. We'll have you right out of there by 2 p.m. Keynote speaker bringing a message of encouragement for pastors throughout the Bay Area, Alan Jackson, Senior Pastor of World Outreach Church of Nashville. To save your seats, go online, register today. Every Bay Area pastor needs to be there. Go to kfax.com and register now. That's at kfax.com. We'll take a brief time out back with more on this Tuesday edition of Lifeline from KFAX. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. All right, welcome back to the program. Class is now in session. Long-time listeners to this radio program know that I am not necessarily a major fan of government education. Oh, I think the concept of public education is is a great one, and I think providing a quality, free education to uh, those in our nation is something that is very important to do for our children, and I wish that we could do more even for higher education, as many countries are able to provide higher education at little or no cost to their students. That said, government education, as it is today, is something that is quite troublesome. Now, I won't waste your time reading from one of my favorite documents that um, we got from an insider of the California Teachers Association, the uh, Guidelines for Academic Freedom in Public Schools, which came out several years ago, that uh, identifies a number of enemies of um, Public education, including, um, let's see here, you'll love this enemies list. Uh, Some names will sound uh, uh, familiar to you. Uh, The Christian Coalition is on it. Focus on Family, Eagle Forum, Traditional Values Coalition, the Rutherford Institute, Concerned Women for America, um, on and on the list goes. That's who's on their hate list. And, of course, Friends of Public Education, uh, Planned Parenthood, uh, People for the American Way, uh, National Coalition Against Censorship, Americans United for Separation of Church and State, uh, the American Civil Liberties Union, on and on the list goes. I've read some of this to you in the past, uh, and you know that it is an eye-opener to be sure. Well, my next guest, in fact, had a little bit of an education, so to speak, on what goes on education himself. Uh, He's the founder of the Education Action Group, regular contributor to townhall.com, owned by this fine radio station's parent company, Salem Communications. Uh, His new book is called Indoctrination, How Useful Idiots, I love the subtitle, How Useful Idiots Are Using Our Schools to Subvert American Exceptionalism. And Kyle Olson, great to have you on the program tonight. Thank you very much. There seems to be certainly a significant shift that has taken place in public education in the last uh, 30 or 40 years. I remember uh, Phyllis Schlafly's best-selling book, Child Abuse in the Classroom, that exposed what was going on in the uh, 1970s. And, And even just prior to that, we've made the shift from what traditionally had been teaching our children how to think to now today teaching them what to think. 
That's right. And, and in fact, what is happening is we have this social justice agenda in American classrooms where instead of kids thinking in uh, in terms of black and right, uh, black and white, uh, right and wrong, uh, good and bad, um, the social justice agenda is to have students develop this nuanced view where um, you know they're they're thinking in shades of gray. And so uh, this this moral relativism that is being pushed now. And so what I try to show parents and taxpayers um, in my book is all of these examples of lesson plans, textbooks, curriculum, videos um, that are in public school classrooms today, not every single classroom, uh, but many of them around the country, um, th- 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 these issues that are being pushed on kids at very young ages, um, Parents need to know about it, uh, and they need to stand up and do something about it. Let's talk about what they need to know about all of this. I mean, to begin with, we certainly have heard the studies. We know of the reports. We've seen the kids come home with the report cards. We know that achievement at certain levels in government education today is so dismal. And ironically, consistently, the unions have been so opposed to any sort of performance standards to the point where you wonder, well, are are, are they first and foremost there to educate our kids? Is this about jobs or is there something other agenda going on here? Well, unfortunately, I think it really does come down to jobs. I mean, that's why, you know, you think back um, during the stimulus and uh, and all the other bailouts that have been proposed over the last couple of years, and none of the none of the spending uh, and proposed new spending coming out of Washington D.C. had anything to do with student achievement, um, raising test scores making sure that every child can read when they graduate, which seems like such a radical concept. Um, But instead, it was about jobs and protecting jobs uh, and and those sorts of things. And, you know, on my most cynical days, I think that public education, public schools, are little more than public works projects for the adults. Mm. And to some degrees, not only keeping themselves employed uh, with very little standards, and of course, once you get teacher tenure as part of the process and realize that the largest and most powerful union in America today, and I I love to pose this question to uh, the unindoctrinated that will say, well, it must be the Teamsters or maybe it's the the Longshoremen's Union or, uh, you know, some, some similar union that they're familiar with until you tell them, no, it's the NEA, the National Educators Association that is the most powerful union uh, literally on the planet, uh, all of which and again, I'm not saying that that teachers don't have a right to collective bargaining and certain, you know, employment protections and things of this sort, but when it goes so far that that the teachers' rights even at at so-called educational uh, liberties um, or instructional freedoms, academic freedoms, uh, take precedence over actually giving the children an education that they can walk away with and do something Something with, I think it's an absolute crime. That's right. And, and going back to how you opened the segment where you mentioned the different organizations, that shows that the NEA, the National Education Association, is more about, uh, it's a political organization. It is not a professional organization saying, how do we make sure that we have a quality teacher in front of every uh, classroom in America? That's not what it's about. It has a political agenda. Unfortunately, it's a hard-left political agenda. It's run by um, uh, left-wing activists 
um, that are elected and, and make the decisions on behalf of many of the, the, uh, the rank-and-file dues payers around the country. And so the, the question is, um, that is, that is what we are running into. And so the question is, what can we do about it? And I, there's, there's many things. I mean, one, teachers, uh, rank-and-file teachers um, who don't like this agenda, who don't like paying the dues to see them go to organizations like NOW and People for the American Way um, and NARAL and all of these other different organizations, Planned Parenthood, they've got to stand up. Teachers have got to stand up and say, I refuse to do this. And it's not easy. I mean, there was a, there was a teacher that contacted our organization a couple days ago. Um, he tried to get out of the, the Michigan Education Association, which, like California, um, is a closed, essentially a closed shop state. But even though he technically dropped out of the union, he still has to pay $500 a year in dues. And so if that's, to me, that's one of the biggest shams in public education, um, is that if you, want, if you want to be a teacher and if you want to try and make a difference in kids' lives, you have to pay this organization whether you want them or not. And it's a huge sham. And, of course, beyond that, uh, we get into the the instructional integrity or lack thereof, uh, which is going to be, I think, the eye-opening focus of our conversation this afternoon. And I, I want listeners to really pay close attention. There, There's some things that we're going to share with you this afternoon that's going on, most likely in your child's public school that I think you need to be aware of. And I think you'll think twice about whether or not you can actually afford to privately educate them or even homeschool them as a superior options. Now, again, let me put in the disclaimer here before I get hate mail and calls of complaints. We're not suggesting that all teachers uh, have an agenda or that they don't care or that they're all about uh, indoctrinating kids. I know a lot of teachers that are fine, hardworking people that really care about kids, really want to equip kids with the tools and skills necessary to not just uh, think for themselves, but to ultimately succeed at life and excel in their chosen career or profession, uh, but make a difference in the world, too. And we applaud all of them. The criticism today is what goes on in the agenda at the higher levels within the union, the union leadership, and quite frankly, those that do promote, uh, what else can we call it, but a political and social activist agenda. Agenda. Think, well, how widespread is this? <laughs> Where do you find out? We'll get to that aspect of our conversation with Kyle Olson. The book is called Indoctrination How Useful Idiots Are Using Our Schools to Subvert American Exceptionalism. We'll get a time out here, then come back to more of our conversation as Lifeline continues. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. All right, class, uh, with uh, school in session here, we should ring, have a bell ring in there, Richard. I should have brought the bell in here. Um, just to give you an example of some of the agenda taking place that goes beyond just so-called academic freedom in the classroom for um, school teachers, but to even the manner in which the influence has taken place in the authorized textbooks, uh, I, I'm, I'm going to quote on one of them. This comes from page 11 of Kyle Olson's new book, Indoctrination, um, just talking about uh, manufacturing. 
And uh, this uh, this particular passage, and I quote, uh, Rose was right. Some passages subtly put down the United States. Uh, for example, here's a quote. Companies in Japan make reliable televisions and radios. German factories make some of the world's best cars. Some companies in the United States are very good at making computers. Did you catch that? In America, only some companies excel. Now, it's amazing. I mean, to be sure, um, Kyle, we have seen some amazing advancements in technology by both Germans and by Japanese firms. A lot of that technology that had its roots and genesis right here in the United States, and yet it seems as if we just kind of we kind of take third position, third seat there to other foreign countries. Right, and that was... Um that, pas- that, uh, that passage that I quoted there was from a column by a Washington Post columnist um, who did this analysis of a book called Social Studies Alive, uh, which is a, a third-grade textbook um, geared towards very young kids, and it pushes this, this one-sided, biased um, agenda um, uh, uh, against, frankly, a, an anti-American agenda. And so and it was interesting because this book, Social Studies Alive, has come under a lot of scrutiny because it is biased. Um, it, it only focuses on um, a, a left-wing perspective. And even this, this lip, self-described liberal um, uh, columnist also came to that conclusion. And it's a great example of a textbook like that, a biased textbook, getting into the classroom um, and then the establishment, whether it's the teachers' union or a, a school board or the administrators, then defend it, and they say, "Oh, there's no bias in it," and, and you know, and this is this is the type of information that kids should be learning. You know, it's amazing because the the inaccuracies and in the agendizing of education goes from the subtle to outright demeaning and obvious, as you cite there in that particular passage. Uh, you know, no no acknowledgement of the fact that the automobile was invented in the United States. The computer was invented in the United States. Uh, that uh, the, the uh, tubes, uh, the precursor of uh, transistors, invented in the United States. The uh, U.S. gets no credit for that. It just says that some companies, some companies, do a good job. Not an excellent job, just a good job. So, you know, I, I guess to all of you that work for, uh, you know, some boring companies like IBM and Hewlett Packard and uh, uh, Texas Instruments and others, uh, just, uh, oh, well, too bad. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And that, that is what is such a shame. And, and what I find disturbing about this is that, is that uh, uh, teachers will use this textbook, and then, um, and, and what is most disturbing about this textbook in particular is that it leads, question, it leads students to a particular question where then they have to give essentially a predetermined answer. Um, and so it will, it will say, it, it will talk about um, child care as a right. And how there are some countries, uh, like Vietnam, for example, that gives child care as a public service. And shouldn't the United States have that as a public service, too? And so here you are as a third grader, and what do you honestly expect a third grader to say? No, we shouldn't do that. Um, and so what it's doing is it's, it's setting these kids up to give an answer um, that unfortunately 
the the activists in the classroom want to hear. And of course, it leaves out a lot of the the important facts, such as uh, somebody has to pay for that uh, child care, and that in communist countries like Vietnam, and I know because I've been there, uh, yeah, they're providing that uh, that child care for free. It's also a way in which they introduce and indoctrinate young children into the benefits, so called, of communism. Right, isn't that convenient? And so, and that's that's the thing. Is so, do you honestly expect a, a third grader to say, "Well, how would that impact my my parents' taxes, or what?" You know, and 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 so you can't honestly uh, expect a, someone, a, a young child of that age, to be thinking in those terms. But it, but what I show in the book is that these types of issues, um, whether it's it's that type of issue or social justice, math. Um, or whatever it may be, is being pushed on kids at younger and younger ages. So the stage is being set then for political and social activism in public schools as opposed to what heretofore had been education. That's exactly right. And because there, there's this mindset uh, in, in public education uh, by, by many people within the establishment that they feel that it's their duty and their right uh, to use their classroom to push this personal political agenda. And they view um, their role as turning students into um, agents of change. And so we shouldn't just be equipping them for life and making sure that they, um, that they have knowledge so they can go, to, uh, go into a higher education or a career or the military or do whatever they want to do. Uh, we need to turn them into agents of change. And to me, that is what is so disturbing about uh, about public schools today. And let me tell you how far some of that, uh, that change factor takes place. I'm going to quote again. This is page 38 of Kyle's new book, again entitled Indoctrination. And I quote, this is quoting an article uh, of Howard Zim, and he writes, Granted, it's good to have historical figures we can admire and emulate, but why hold up as models the 55 rich white men who drafted the Constitution as a way of establishing a government that would protect the interests of their class? Slaveholders, merchants, bondholders and land speculators, close quote. So we have now reduced the founding fathers of the most successful and freest nation on earth, one of the few nations that has a problem with people illegally getting into the country as opposed to trying to escape. Are you listening, North Korea, Vietnam, etc., etc.? Uh, and and we've, we've suddenly now done an absolute 180. Yeah, granted, there were things about America in the 1700s that we probably wouldn't be very prideful of today. But the fundamentals of why and how this nation was founded and upon what basis is something that is held up as a pride point in, in nations all across the world, apparently except our own. That's right, and, and it's such a shame because Howard Zinn, um, who, who that quote is from, it is held up um, on, in, in leftist circles um, in high esteem of, uh, because he is this historian who has, you know, this, uh, has recast American history, and this is what he is producing. And unfortunately, he actually he has produced textbooks and his textbooks are in uh, U.S. history class classes in American high schools today. And so this is the type of, of um, quote-unquote history that high school students are, are being fed. And so it's no wonder that we're seeing our, our personal liberties, um, our self-governance, 
um, our our uh, free markets being eroded um, because you know people uh, aren't uh, appreciating them. They're not seeing the value in them, and they're thinking that you know America is to blame, uh, free markets are to blame, and so we have got to change those and. and fundamentally transform America. Well, I've had uh, teachers in the past and concerned parents even send me copies of passages from history books that have characterized uh, Mao, for example, Mao Zedong, uh, as the great liberator of China. Mm. Yeah, uh, much like I suppose uh, Stalin liberated the Russians, uh, Kim Jong-il liberated the North Koreans, and Hitler liberated the Germans. We'll come back to more of this startling agenda of what's going on in some circles of public education, not about educating children anymore, but rather indoctrinating them as miniature agents of change for their agenda. Our conversation tonight is with Kyle Olson. The book is called Indoctrination, How Useful Idiots Are Using Our Schools to Subvert American Exceptionalism. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. With author Kyle Olson, how deep and widespread is this agenda? Well, let me give you another example from his new book, Indoctrination, a teaching lesson plan calendar uh, that um, helps teachers highlight for children some of the important dates in history that they need to be mindful of. Um, such as August the 5th, which represents the 30th anniversary of Ronald Reagan breaking the Air Traffic Controllers Union. Or uh, August 10th, the 50th anniversary of the U.S. spraying toxic herbicides in Vietnam. Um, February the 17th, notable for being the birthday of Black Panther Party founder Huey Newton. Uh, Let's not forget November the 20th, Transgender Day of Remembrance. Um, How about November the 26th, Buy Nothing Day. Uh, April the 29th, the 20th anniversary of the start of the Los Angeles Uprising. <laughs> People rioted not for Rodney King. They rioted to steal. And that's the uprising. Of course, May 1st is International Workers' Day. And least, let us not forget May 20th, which uh, an- marks the anniversary of Cuba's independence from U.S. occupation. Yeah, nothing in there about uh, uh, the 4th of July, 1776. Uh, dare we talk about such things as the American moon landing, Pearl Harbor, uh, any of those important events. No, it's all got to have some sort of a agenda behind it, Kyle. I'm sure they just ran out of space. <laughs> no doubt. And, uh, so many important I, days to remember. Yeah, nothing about Constitution Day uh, or anything like that. And I think, again, it's a great example of um, putting a resource in front of teachers and then raising those questions. Because then there are other uh, another aspect to that uh, social justice uh, planning guide is uh, a question for each day. And so they're just incredible um, questions about just dealing with these social justice issues and all of that sort of thing. And so what I fear fear is happening is that um, our classrooms are turning into these social justice laboratories where um, activist teachers are turning our students into uh, fellow activists 
um, to change America. Well, and the other interesting thing that, that dawned on me, I read one passage in, in your book later on uh, when you talk about the Great Depression and you quote from another wonderful piece of revisionist history here, uh, the old adage, those who forget history are condemned to uh, repeat it. Uh, as the curriculum of many of these history books has a very strong pro-union driven uh, ref- re- uh, revisionism to it, uh, let me just, this one quote here, and you know, here we are in the middle of the greatest recession that America has seen, um, uh, perhaps overshadowed only by the likes of the Great Depression of the late 1920s. Um, and if you try to understand what caused the Great Depression and the, the crash of October 29, uh, here's where one history book squarely puts the responsibility. And I quote, Soon, Ford Automobile produced more cars than people could buy. Other business owners made the same mistake, and workers were fired. So many people lost jobs that the 1930s were called the Great Depression, close quote. So it wasn't the stock market crash that pulled the U.S. economy to its knees, that prevented people from having access to the credit and cash they needed to buy these things, that forced companies to fire workers. It was the greed of the companies themselves that produced more goods than where they were capable of selling. Talk about revisionist history. That's right. Isn't that, it, it's incredible. And uh, there's another example uh, talking about unions where the California Federation of Teachers has produced many lesson plans um, that teachers are using today. And one of those was how to start your own uh, small business, where they created the, the Yummy Pizza Company, which, you know, on the face of it, you go, well, that sounds interesting. And I, come, I personally, I come from a small business family, um, so I know the dedication and the hard work that goes into uh, especially starting a small business, but maintaining one. Um, but what I quickly found as I read this lesson plan was that 40% of the lesson plan dealt with starting the union for the employees. And so suddenly it was obvious what this lesson plan was about was actually was, was the union component. And, uh, and so the other interesting thing that I find is that, so what happens is school districts and states have requirements. So um, students need to get, uh, you know, X amount of math and X amount of um, English and art and that sort of thing. And so what, uh, what the activists will do is they insert these different types of things to meet their requirements. So in other words, in this Yummy Pizza Company example, um, the, the art component was creating membership cards and designing a logo for the union. Um, and so it's, they are just, they're absolutely relentless in, cre- in, in inserting this personal political agenda um, into curriculum. And, you know, again, I, I have no problem if teachers wish to uh, organize and unionize and are looking for, you know, workplace standards and higher wages and things of this sort. That's fine. But don't bring that in as, as an integral part of your job and recruit your students um, in, in the effort to try and then, you know, uh, be, uh, be minions for change. And, you know, maybe some case you can get the, you know, bunch of six-year-olds to go out and lobby for higher pay. I mean, it's ridiculous. Well, and speaking of that, there's an example in the book where um, a a third-grade teacher from Milwaukee Public Schools in Wisconsin um, actually had her students write letters um, to the school board complaining about the budget cuts. 
And again, these are third graders, so these are what, eight-year-olds, maybe Mm nine-year-olds. They can hardly, uh, they don't even know about their family budget, let alone a a multi-million, if not billion-dollar enterprise that is a, a public school district. And so she had her students write letters complaining about the budget cuts. And it's it, what what we see around the country is example after example of um, of students being indoctrinated, um, students being used as pawns, unfortunately, to do the dirty work of the union. Well, I recall even talking to a young man that was a recent high school graduate, and we got on the topic of World War II, and um, I made some comment about Pearl Harbor, and the date December 7th did not resonate in his mind at all. Um, And after some protracted discussions, uh, he revealed to me that this best as he could recall, yeah, he kind of remembered a couple of details about it, but that they probably spent not much more than a half hour talking about Pearl Harbor and World War II and the American involvement in same, both in the uh, the Pacific Theater helping to uh, uh, to fight back the spread of uh, the Japanese uh, onslaught as much as, as well as what we did in in Europe against the Germans and uh, and yet though had great recollection of of uh, great detail, uh, spending what he characterized to be about a half a week talking about the results of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Of course, the events that precipitated all of that, uh, he knew nothing about. So, you know, which came first, the chicken or the egg? In this case, neither, I guess. That's right. And, and, and that is what is, is shameful, is we're losing our history. And our students are not coming out of out of school uh, with just very basic knowledge about what America has done for the world and what free markets have done and what capitalism has done. And instead, uh, we are to blame. And, and, and the example of the atomic bombs, you know, we are to blame um, for for you know the horrific events that took place. Um, because, um, you know, we're racist or we have this imperialist uh, agenda or or whatever the case may be. And so uh, kids are coming out of, and and to me this is the irony, is these are government schools. I mean, you would think government schools would be, if anything, would be indoctrinating students to be a pro-America, but that is not what is happening. I mean, they're coming out of government schools believing that America is to blame, uh, believing that free markets um, and uh, and uh, capitalism are to blame for third world poverty because we go and we exploit uh, countries and we exploit people and we we uh, rape and pillage for resources in all of this. I mean, it's 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 an absolute shame, um, but it is going on in classrooms around the country. And so again, I say. Um, and my question for parents is, do you know uh, what your students are, what your kids are learning? And if you don't, you need to get educated toward that end, because after all, folks, we are paying for it to the tune of over $55 billion a year in the great state of California alone. We've just touched the surface of, of a few of the excerpts of Kyle's new book, and it's a page turner, it's an eye-opener, and if you've got kids that are attending government schools or grandkids, uh, get educated. 
dedicated, would you? And maybe you're going to think twice about uh, what you need to do. And I know it's a tremendous sacrifice to a private school or homeschool a child. Uh, but maybe uh, once you read the book, you'll find out it's high time you do so. Kyle Olson, thanks so much for being with us. The new book, by the way, published by Arthur House. And uh, you can get copies through Amazon.com or also information through Kyle's website at Kyle, K-Y-L-E, Olson. O-L-S-O-N dot O-R-G. Again, the book Indoctrination, How Useful Idiots Are Exposing Our Schools to Subvert American Exceptionalism.